It's the Dubai Property Podcast for news, interviews and market trends. And welcome back to another episode of the Dubai Property Podcast as we talk real estate right around the UAE and available, as you know, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as Amazon, just to name a few. And it is a Thursday morning, uh, the 15th day for February today. And good morning to you, Leslie. Got your email. Thank you for that. You are in Johannesburg in South Africa. I think we've received a few emails from South Africa now. And of course, if you are in South Africa, don't hesitate to get in touch. You tell me that you're moving to Dubai next month to join your husband who is already there working. And your question is one that we haven't yet had before. And it relates to zoning and density regarding plots, buying plots of land to develop in the UAE. You are considering different emirates looking for the best price for plot size to build on and you ask does Mario have different areas to break down the density when it comes to building i.e. getting as many units on a single plot of land. I got to tell you that is way above my pay grade Leslie and I think Mario is going to get a headache just thinking about how he's going to answer that one but a great question and you are going to be building so lots to consider there as well. I'm sure that Mario will dig deep and come up with something either in the weekend on Saturday or on the Tuesday. So if you are like Leslie and you've got a question, don't forget to email us. Our email address is the Dubai Property Podcast at gmail.com. Well, this morning it is time for another episode of the Diary of a New Dubai Real Estate Agent as we catch up once again with Lillian Le Campion. And good morning, Lillian. Welcome back. Good morning, Craig. Thank you so much. It's great to be on. Just listening to your question from Leslie, there's actually a website that I use every single day. It's mappy.ae and that's M-A-P-P-I. And it's basically got all the zoning in um, the Dubai Emirate. It's got new projects, old projects, ones that uh, the plot has actually been bought and there's something coming. And it's got all the statistics. So that might actually help Leslie to uh, try and figure out the density of the areas she's looking at. Oh, look at that. Mario has been made redundant. (laughs) There you go, Leslie. There's a great little tip coming to you from Lillian. You are a resource of information. And uh, I just want to throw to the the flying taxis. That's something that you've been experiencing since you've been in Dubai. I haven't actually taken a flying taxi, but um, the RTA, the uh, Roads and Transport Authority in Dubai, have just signed a deal with a company called Joby Aviation, and their plan is to having flying taxis in Dubai by 2026. So in my head, I'm imagining kind of Blade Runner style taxis. They're going to start building these vertical taxi ranks, and there's going to be four of them that they'll start to build this year. There'll be one in the airport, Palm Jumeirah, Dubai Marina and downtown. And the aim is actually that within a short time frame, they'll have them costing a similar price to an Uber and not just be aimed at tourists and time precious business people who have the money. And they reckon it's going to take maybe seven to 10 minutes to get from the airport to Palm. 
I think if you look out in 10 years from now, so where are we? 2024, 2034, the skyline with what is going to be buzzing, it's probably hard to imagine at this point. Look, I think anybody who lives in Dubai would know the traffic here at times can be horrendous. Obviously, we had this incredible rain two days ago that just shut down the roads. So in these kind of circumstances, I think flying cars would actually be quite helpful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And something just to talk to the audience about, especially if they're outside of the UAE, and that is emails, because a lot of people don't actually do traditional emails. A lot of the communication in terms of what a email does is done on WhatsApp. Yes, this was quite a surprise that I discovered when I got to Dubai is that Everybody does business on WhatsApp and it's, this is anywhere from restaurants to booking a hair appointment, big companies and then obviously real estate. So I come from quite a traditional office background where you're sending emails to clients and consultants and different people and there's this kind of like trail of conversation and you can put attachments obviously and say you send an email today to someone, unless it's urgent, there's this kind of unwritten understanding that you might be able to sit on it for a day or two. In Dubai, I'd say 99% of business is done on WhatsApp. So this means you're basically glued to your phone. Your phone's constantly going off. You can see when somebody has read a message and then um, it's just this long conversation that you're having with someone. In Dubai, you can't actually call WhatsApp to WhatsApp uh, without a VPN, which is a little bit odd also, but uh, it's definitely something that's big here, so you might need to set one up for the podcast so people can write in questions. Actually, that's not a bad idea, is it? You have given us something to think about. Now, let's uh, change topic and talk about Saudi Arabia. You're, what, heading off for a, a weekend. Now, you used to live in Australia, and I was just saying to you before we started, this is something that you wouldn't have been able to do in Australia and say, well, let's go to Saudi for the weekend. Oh, absolutely. So I was born in Tasmania, which is the tiny island down the bottom. And then obviously I moved to Queensland afterwards, which is all the way up the top. That's about an eight, nine hour flight. But essentially the culture, the food, the people stays exactly the same. So one thing I really miss from uh, when I was living in Brussels is that you could go for the weekend to Istanbul, to Berlin, to Paris. And so now from uh, Dubai, it's a really, really great location to go traveling just for weekend trips. So I'm going to Riyadh this weekend, flying out on Friday night, coming back on Sunday night. It's a one hour flight. I think the culture is going to be completely different uh, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yes, for sure. And you'll be able to sort of tell us, update us in terms of what your eyes saw because, uh, yeah, it's a whole different ball game going into Saudi for the weekend. Now, I, sh I should say Happy Lunar New Year, of course. And how did you end up celebrating it? Yes, thank you. So, Kongsi Fachoi to Chinese listeners. I'm probably butchering that and my grandparents would be very ashamed. It was Chinese New Year, the Year of the Dragon in Dubai this weekend. There were uh, 1,800 drones that illuminated the sky around the Burj Al Arab to create this giant 300 metre long dragon that flew around it that was quite impressive. But I think what's actually really interesting for me is looking at the amount of Chinese investors in Dubai. So experts are actually calling 2024 the year of Chinese investors. 
stats, last year, 2023, Chinese investors accounted for 13% of all property transactions in Dubai, which was 8% up from the previous year. And actually, according to Bloomberg, the percentage of Chinese buyers that were buying EMA projects doubled. So Dubai, it's just, it's a really attractive option for Chinese people. Um, it's only an eight hour flight to Shanghai. It's seen as a really safe and stable investment destination. It's got a really strong economy and stable political system. And it's just really attractive to come here. The government's making it really easy with visas. And honestly, uh, from a real estate point of view, um, on both sides, either buying, but if you speak Chinese, I think you could be welcome in any real estate company here to get a new job. Now, let's talk about something in terms of right in your lane as well as real estate. Of course, you're an architect and you've got this specific background in environmentally sustainable design, including having worked in the world's first carbon neutral office building in Australia. And I just wanted to to ask you, what are some of the simple tactics that buildings use to be green these days? Yes, so I was so lucky in Melbourne. I was an associate at the architecture firm that designed the greenest commercial building in the world in Melbourne. And we also worked in the building. So there were wind turbines on the roof that uh, sounded like a plane taking off when it got windy, which created electricity, of course. Uh, We also had sun tracking solar panels. There were vacuum toilets that had no water and grey water infiltration systems. These are just really, really easy ways that you can take a modern building and use quite simple passive concepts to make them more green. I think this is misconception that we need to wait for technology to save us, but we actually have everything that we need right here. Yeah, and of course, sustainability, it's a huge word when you start talking Dubai UAE and the things that people should really relate to in the buildings in Dubai. Definitely in Dubai, sustainability is really important, mainly because the city is rapidly expanding so fast. And as we all know, there is this fashion for building really tall glass buildings in the desert. So you need to have a solution for curbing this intense energy consumption. Dubai is actually committed to a 50% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030, and they've also agreed to the Paris Agreement to achieve net zero by 2050. So I think Dubai is really going in the right direction. They've got uh, a couple of green building rating systems that are specific to here. One of them is called Estadama Pearl Rating System, which actually means sustainability in Arabic. And then the second main one is Al Safat, which uh, was introduced in 2016. And all new buildings here, it's mandated that they have to achieve at least silver in this rating system. And let's change it up completely from sustainability to ladies' nights. Now, some people might be saying, Craig, what are you talking about? This is something that you have found out about since being in Dubai. Yes, it's actually um, very interesting because before I came to Dubai, I had this impression that they might be quite strict on alcohol consumption. But I think because they're trying to encourage so many foreigners, they're really very open to it. Um, I think it will be different when I go to Saudi Arabia this weekend. But uh, we've actually discovered with some female friends that they have ladies' nights quite often at different bars, restaurants, clubs, where essentially everything is free for the ladies. So you come along with a group of girls, you might have three or four cocktails, not pay a cent. 
there's actually this really interesting uh, organization called the Secret Society that you can sign up to. You, of course, have to be a woman and they just uh, send you offers every now and then to go to free events, to go to the opera, artistic events, and of course, to food and restaurant nights. And really, I think being a woman is quite empowering in Dubai, having not only these kind of opportunities, but there's also a lot of um, conferences that you can go to where you can talk to other women in business and uh, enterprise. And it really was a surprise to me that it's quite wonderful to be a woman here. Now, of course, Lillian, people might be saying, well, who is paying for the drinks? But it is the bar that is paying because, I mean, this is a bit of a marketing ploy, really. Like uh, you bring the women in, you give them free drinks and, and the guys find out about, hey, there's all these these women that have gathered in such and such a bar. I think um, it's also, as you said, the marketing and we've talked about social media a couple of times and you get some ladies in having a good time. They take a photo, a video, they post it on their social media accounts, they tag the bar or the restaurant and it's really just free advertising. It is such a great idea. I'm surprised that uh, more bars around the world don't do exactly the same, same thing. Well, I'm definitely not complaining in Dubai. With the price for food here to go out, it's definitely a good thing to get a freebie every now and again. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Enjoy, of course, uh, Saudi coming up in terms of your weekend away. We'll find out how that went uh, next time that we speak. And enjoy your Thursday. Thank you so much, Craig, and look forward to speaking next time. What to buy, where to live, and things to avoid every week on the Dubai Property Podcast. The roads get flooded, the storms, there was a lot of activity with the water once again. When you buy a property here, you don't normally have to worry about guttering and down pipes and that kind of thing. If you're driving your Lamborghini, then you might have a problem. <laughs> but if you've got a 4x4, then no issues, you just drive straight through. It is a bit of a concern, global warming and whether or not there is going to be more rain events like this. To put it into context, I mean, we have, you know, sort of 300 150 odd days of, of sunshine and so those those few days where obviously mother nature might uh, might give us a wash as it were it really that the chaos that ensues yeah it's just for one or two days it's it's okay the skyline is constantly changing growing and expanding the dubai property podcast for all things real estate